and welcome to the Kane and Rince podcast. You are listening to Volume 4, Issue 187. This show is on Bully, also known as Canis Canon Edict. Before we get into that, you can play along with Kane and Rince for the remainder of Volume 4. The next five issues, we will be covering Geometry Wars series, Halo 3 ODST, Dark Souls 2 and its Scholar of the First Sin edition, the entirety of the Sensible World of Soccer series, and The Secret of Monkey Island. You can find our schedule beyond that towards the very end of Volume 4 at CaneandRince.com. You'll also find there our blog posts, links to our forum where you can chat with ourselves and uh, people from the Cane and Rinse community. You'll find links to Facebook page and YouTube channel as well. And you will also find some links that can send you to our merchandise shop where you can support the podcast and look incredibly stylish in t-shirts and toting some bags, all of which bear the Cane and Rinse name. The other thing you can do to support the Cane and Rinse podcast is to check out our fortnightly video games music podcast. We're now up to 20 issues of that, and it's on a separate feed. So if you do want to uh, hear some of our favourite selections and community, our community's favourite selections of video game-related music, you need to set your podcast software of choice to search for Sound of Play. And for this podcast and Sound of Play, it would be a massive help to bring new people to our digital door if you could review, rate, and most importantly, subscribe to both of our podcast feeds on iTunes or other podcast software that you may use. I'm James Carter. Joining me in this issue, we have the principal, Jay Taylor. Hello. And he's behind the bike sheds, Ryan Heyman. Lunch money nerds now. (laughs) Welcome, gentlemen. As mentioned, we are going to be talking about Bully. I I mentioned it's also known as Canis Canum Edit. That was to get round issues that uh, were had in in the UK mainly, I believe, regarding the name Bully being rather provocative. Um, From here on out, I think it's safe to say we'll refer to the game as Bully. That's the the name that anyone listening in uh, most of the rest of the world will know this game by. And it's the name it was released by for the Scholarship Edition uh, a couple of years later. In addition to that, I want to give a spoiler warning. Suffice to say, high school is rough. Bully is a game developed by Rockstar Vancouver. No longer in existence, although a lot of the people involved in this game are still with Rockstar at at some of their other studios. They're numerous studios. Um, The publisher as is the way with Rockstar Games. Rockstar Games actually publish, but take to interactive distribute. They have that kind of weird uh, hierarchical relationship there where Take-Two don't publish those particular games. But also, it's worth saying that with the scholarship edition, uh, some of the credits are uh, added to rather than amended. There are some different changes there. Um, Notable amongst the credits as is often the case on, on Rockstar Games. Uh, Dan Hauser pops up as a, in a writer's credit. Uh, the music's composed by Sean Lee. The game was originally released, depending upon your particular territory, on the PS2 between the 17th and 27th of October in 2006. So we're looking at a nearly nine-year-old game here, uh, believe it or not. Before we get on to talking about 
that that various information as far as scholarship edition goes, we may as well dive into our histories here because this may be a kind of split point for us as to which version we played. Um, Jay, I believe you have played the original version rather than scholarship edition. Yep, I'm the PS2. And did you pick that up 2006 or has that been something you picked up since? There's a bit of a stupid story behind this actually because I had no interest in this whatsoever. I don't know, I it was at a time where I kind of had a, a love-hate relationship with, with Rockstar Games because I felt that they were kind of deliberately provoking tabloid yeah. outrage mm-hmm. a lot of the time, and particularly with the Manhunt games. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of, I don't know, even back then, I, I was kind of weary, weary of that sort of, constant you know yeah. ban this sick filth kind of attitude and and whilst i kind of found it amusing how rockstar would basically provoke the tabloid media into selling their games for them and it would work to an amazing degree um i was kind of getting tired of the way they were doing it so bully came along and um I wasn't massively i wasn't really bothered about it at all and then somebody told me and it turned out to be complete and utter tosh <laughs> that the band my wife was in at the time had a track on the album. Uh, uh, sorry, had a, tr- uh, a track used on the soundtrack, which I thought, well, okay, let's check this out. So I went, I went out and picked it up, <laughs> only to find out that it the, the entire soundtrack was composed by Sean Lee and no, had no license nothing. Music at all, but no. I actually know where this came from because it was a random comment that, that a fr- uh, uh, my mate who I worked with at the time, he'd heard a particular track and it is very similar to the kind of music that they would play. Mm. And he thought that they'd used, it was the band, you know, and it, then it turned out that it wasn't the case. So I was like, okay, fine. Now I've, I've got lumbered with this game. <laughs> <laughs> which it then sat on the shelf for years and it wasn't until I guess about 2008-2009 that I actually played it through for the first mm. time actually no it was 2010 because it was after they'd released Red Dead Redemption and then I got into a real oh my god Rockstar are amazing kind of uh, <laughs> attitude yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the you know and then I sort of went, thought back I thought I haven't played Rock Bully you know and there was a lot of people talking about it at the time still talking mm. about it and yeah. you know so I went back and played it then and yeah no it's it's amazing the weird and wonderful things coincidences and and just uh in in this case someone obviously in good faith telling you something they thought was the case and turned out to not be uh be true but it's brought you to the game nonetheless yeah but it cost me 40 quid it did cost me 40 <laughs> quid <laughs> we'll find out whether that 40 yeah. quid was well spent as we go through the podcast obviously um so yeah ryan how about yourself did you play this game back in 2006 no, my only edition of the game was the scholarship edition, which I had picked up in a Steam sale somewhere probably around 2010, played it through over that summer, and um, have recently revisited it for the show. But I have no extensive history. I wasn't looking forward to it at the time. It just kind of seemed like a good one to pick up for $5 or however much it was. And uh, yeah. Played it through a couple of times here. Excellent. Yeah, I, I kind of suspected Jay aside that that would be the um, the the case, just because obviously 2006 October when it came out on uh, on PS2. By that point, we were kind of in amongst new consoles being either out or on mm-hmm. their way, depending upon the territory you're in and which console we're talking about. 
whereas Scholarship Edition came to PC, Wii and 360, which at that time, October 2008, when it came out, just uh, opened up a lot more people to this game. Um, so my story is is quite similar, to be honest. I didn't actually play this game until 2010, but it was the Scholarship Edition on uh, Xbox 360 that I played. Um, I rented it, I believe, actually. I have since picked it up on, on PC, like you, Ryan, in a, in a Steam sale. Um, but yeah, so for, from that perspective, we can talk a bit about the differences between the two um, the two editions of the game, but all of us are coming at it from the perspective of only having played one of those two. So, and I don't think that's necessarily a problem because there isn't actually that much change between them. Um, I, I started trying to make a list and realised that actually it's, uh, I think, eight main missions, although they're not terribly central to the uh, to the story, and uh, four extra classes Um Maths, biology, geography, and music, I believe, um, which are just extra side missions you can do in the game, some extra clothes and stuff. So there's not massive differences. There are some graphical tweaks and that kind of thing. But that scholarship edition uh, came out between March and October 2008, depending upon whether Wii 360 was March 2008 and the PC version October 2008. And I think to me, that mostly just opened it up to new audience, myself included. Uh, because I didn't have a PS2 at the time or or uh, by that stage, 2008. So this was the way that I got to, to pick that up. It's really interesting, actually, Jay, that you, you mentioned at the time this came out, Rockstar seeming like they were intentionally prodding tabloid media with their games because, and I think this goes for probably you saw a lot of this, Ryan, in the US as well, this game came out a year after the hot coffee debacle, shall we say, surrounding uh, San Andreas, G- uh, Grand Theft Auto Sh- San Andreas, I should say, because uh, just in case anyone's not, not sure what game that refers to. Um, but over in, in the UK, we had politicians uh, before the game had had come out just on the, the notion of this game. Uh, we had our own version of Jack Thompson who was trying to get this game basically banned or the the BBFC classification altered um, and yeah Jack Thompson this was one of kind of the pillars of of his crusade at, at this point in the, the mid 2000s um, and it felt like it was Manhunt and Grand Theft Auto had kind of made Rockstar's reputation as a company that courted this sort of controversy so naturally when a game called Bully that by reputation from people who hadn't played the game was about beating up school children. Um, it seemed like that was exactly what was happening. And this was also not too far removed from when Manhunt 2 was going to be coming out and then end up getting delete, delayed uh, a release in the UK. And it seemed an awful lot like there was controversy for controversy's sake and that Rockstar were deliberately doing this, I've got to say. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, I felt... I felt that way regarding the Manhunt games. I think with the GTA games, they, as as perhaps with all their games, they kind of got taken out. You know, stuff would be taken out of context and blown out of all proportion by, yeah. you know, the sort of the ridiculous sort of uh, media stuff. But with the Manhunt, I did feel that I just wasn't interested. I didn't like what I read about the games. Yeah. Like I, did, yeah. I thought, why do I want to play that? Um, 
And maybe I've done them a disservice because I've heard that, you know, they've got some pretty good mechanics in there, but I, I always find it still the, 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 the content I found disturbing. I just didn't want to play it. Yeah. With yeah. Bully, I felt that it kind of came back, that sort of attitude came back to bite them on the backside a bit with that stuff because it was, you know, and it kind of highlighted the ridiculous sort of media stuff because they were saying, oh, you're, you're playing a bully, whereas you, you don't need to spend that long in the game to realize mm-hmm. that really that's not quite how it works out. You actually take on the people doing the bullying. And it was a strange time anyway. Video games were getting it left, right and center at this point. And yeah, people definitely. like Jack Thompson and, and you know, Leland Yee, these two fine upstanding people <laughs> who, uh, you know, like, where are they now? Well, one's getting done for drug, uh, was it gun smuggling? The others got disbarred. So, you know, it's the one exactly whatever. And then over here, yeah. Keith Faz, you know, it's kind of ridiculous, but yeah. Yeah, I think I think the the frustrating thing was that it was lots of people, especially with Bully, because of the name and because of a couple of screenshots that had, oh. had leaked about the game, there were a lot of assumptions being made as to what this game was by people who were were pro censoring this game and were anti censoring this game. There were a lot of assumptions being made based on absolutely no information. Mm. And that's where the question of well could this game have been called something else? Could maybe the screenshots that were released or leaked have been, you know, less inflammatory or could they have been handled in a better way by Rockstar? And, and it did seem that Rockstar's reaction was to not react at all. Was yeah. they, they were they were very fond of not saying anything and letting the bad publicity do... Well, I don't think they've do, changed much, if I'm honest. Job I, I still yeah, feel yeah. that they still have that kind of that and I'm not saying when I say attitude I don't mean in a, in a bad way I just no, think that they, the they kind of let these people yeah. have their you know go off and do what they want to do because most of the time it doesn't affect anything in fact it probably does more to increase their sales than it's ever done to, to diminish them that was certainly my take on it yeah uh, to be fair a problem that the Grand Theft Auto series has continued to have that Bully shares in this regard is that you can't really interact with the world in any way other than through violence. And mm. so, you know, this isn't a Persona 4. This isn't an Animal Crossing in a school-type <laughs> environment. Like, your interactions are fairly limited to, you know, like, rather aggressive or at least mischievous uh, mm. in a kind of a negative-aggressive way acts. And so, you know, I can see where people are coming from. Um, it yeah. isn't a well-rounded school simulator in any way but uh yeah i mean playing through it there's not a lot in there that would be all that objectionable other than the high school setting which people have been you know really up in arms about ever since uh like the columbine massacre back in 99 just like anything that is vaguely high school violence related is uh kind of on the short list of of real hot button issues yeah so what we ended up with was a lot of um Actually, in the UK, a lot of bullying charities, and I think in the mm. US as well, Jack Thompson referred to having talked about this game with bullying charities, or rather, I should say, anti-bullying charities, um, and organisations who were who were trying to obviously root out bullying and support victims of bullying. Um, and the notion, if presented in the way that perhaps someone like Keith Faz or Jack Thompson did, the notion of a game that could be seen to train hmm. kids playing it to be bullies would be abhorrent. But yeah, the, the, 
certainly as I found, and it sounds like um, you guys share that opinion, it's it's very different once you actually push that start button and get into the game. Well, it's, it's the usual story though, isn't it? When when a politician jumps on a game, nine times out of you know ten, they've they've never even picked up a controller and never tried the game. They've just they've just been told by somebody or some you know whatever that's just yeah it's just the usual thing so one of the most troubling things about bullying in real life is all of the the constant threat of things that you don't know when the bully's going to strike next but he's always watching you or he's always mm. hovering mm. over you and the emotional abuse and all of this uh spreading rumors about you mm. and and all of this stuff that keeps people down and keeps people controlled and stuff and there's really no way to engage with that on a mechanical level within the game like it's very much the very simple like you know go out to the schoolyard and pick a fight with somebody which you know like you can get in a fight or two during school and you know that's not as big of a deal as being constantly tormented by one person Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. since the characters in this game lack a real sense of like character permanence um yeah that that kind of ongoing torment isn't really a part of of this experience Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, interestingly, the case that Jack Thompson brought to Florida courts actually resulted in Rockstar providing a copy of the game and someone to play said game in front of the judge, and I believe Jack Thompson was invited to that as well, and that was the basis upon which the judge made the decision to not deny this game the right to be sold and to to mm. not ask for increased censorship. Um, the game actually received a T for Teen rating from the ESRB and a 15 rating from the BBFC in the UK. Apologies to people outside of those two um, countries. The only reason I mention them is particularly because A, I know about what happened in the UK because I was here, um, and and B, those are, are two particular countries where politicians made a big stand against this game and other Rockstar games at the time. Um, it, it may well be that there were similar instances in your country, and if I've, I've looked over those, I do apologise. These are just kind of the big headline ones that I happen to know about. Um. That being said, the game was classified. It it wasn't refused um, classification or or therefore a right to be sold. Um, Certainly in the UK, there were a couple of retailers decided not to, um, although both owned by the same company, so technically just one retailer. Um, But the game came out in 2006, and I think a lot of the marketing leading up to it, perhaps, had suggested it was going to be GTA with kids or GTA in a high school. That certainly in some ways holds true, but for me there are a couple of key things that make that comparison limited in its value, I would say. How about you guys? Do you think, um, would you, if you were explaining this game to someone, would you say GTA in, in a high school? I would actually. I think the template is very similar. The mission sort of, although obviously, you know, there's other games that kind of do the same thing, but a lot of it feels very familiar yeah. to yeah. the GTA template. So, you know, you align yourself with certain people, whether they're gangsters, in this case they're gang leaders or uh, or cliques or whatever. Uh, and, yeah. and then you have to do, you know, either help them out, do a mission for them or something. And, and this, the, the whole structure kind of felt very familiar. Mm-hmm. I mean, understandably, I mean, you know, it's something that in a lot of their kind of open world games, they've 
they kind of stuck to similar ideas, even in the likes of, you know, right up until, you know, GTA five and stuff. It's just, yeah, yeah. you know, they just, they just kind of find ways to rework it, but it's still essentially, you know, you yeah. could go back and, and these games would feel familiar. If you've played a GTA game, it feels familiar. Yeah, I'd say Grand Theft Auto is an appropriate touch point, but uh, it, it deviates it from it in many ways, uh, the biggest of which being the mechanical separations, um, driving and shooting being kind of the primary activities in Grand Theft Auto games, whereas mm-hmm. uh, just due to the nature of the setting, you're not going to be doing a lot of either of those in, mm-hmm. in Bully. And so perhaps in that way, it's a little bit more like like sleeping dogs or something like that, where you, you are <laughs> engaging in more hand-to-hand combat, although it, it hardly flows as nicely as Wei Shen's outing. But um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, as far as comparisons go, I, I'd say that's a fair one, but um, it doesn't really embody the core appeal of the game. Um, mm. But I don't know, we'll get around to what that core appeal really is because I think it might be different <laughs> things for different people. The moment you take over control of Jimmy Hopkins, our protagonist... If you have played Grand Theft Auto games and, and particularly San Andreas that came out was the was the um the Grand Theft Auto game that came out directly before this. Yeah, it it the engine makes the game look and feel and play very similarly in terms of you've got a mini map, you've got objectives, you've got different faction leaders that you're going to for missions, um story-based missions with side missions and races and collectibles and that terrible tap a or cross to run mechanic (laughs) (laughs) by this point yeah i think everyone knew tapping's the way to go with when you're running um i think at that point it was probably still one of those things probably by vice city i think people had realized that you definitely don't hold the button to run but yeah Obviously, by the nature of its setting, which is Bullworth Academy, which is partly where the game takes its name from, or at least it's uh, it's got a symbiotic relationship there. Uh, obviously, Bullworth being reminiscent of the word bully. Um, that setting does make a difference, I think, versus um, versus a Grand Theft Auto, because it means you've got kind of a hub area, the campus of the school you're always coming back to. Um, I think the way that I've I've seen the school referred to is it, it's very clear that it's in a New England setting in terms of it seems like a leafy kind of what you would think of as almost a university campus. But actually, it was based on, apologies, I don't know how to pronounce this, despite it being in Edinburgh, is uh, Fetis or uh, Fetz College, um, which is a really sort of gothic, uh, traditional looking kind of uh, school building. When you see pictures of it, it's almost in in the same way that you can look at pictures of New York that were reference material for Liberty City and Grand Theft Auto Four, and you can see some key things that they've they've taken from that in terms of art style and in terms of the way its layout uh, and, and appearance are represented. So, um, thought that was quite interesting that they've gone for ostensibly quite a traditional uh, British school setting um you know private school type uh setting and and building for for that despite the fact right from the off it said that this is in kind of new england uh in in the states that hub area is kind of the home for much of the game although there's a town around it i just thought it was really interesting to have that kind of world map within a map world within a world type type thing where you can spend a lot of your Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. 
I like that it's in kind of a smaller scale like that as well. It makes everything feel a little bit more intimate and a little bit more um, just densely designed, which is something that a lot of big open world games are often criticized for is just being full of lots of empty and useless space. I, I think it kind of suffers when it opens up the town. I mean, that's a really cool addition, but it doesn't really provide you with the uh, with appropriate mechanical capability to navigate that space mm. effectively. And so you spend a lot of time on your uh, really slow skateboard trying to cross the map, <laughs> and it just it takes for forever. Um, there's a nice bus that can take you back to the school afterwards, but that only gets you so far in one direction. Mm. And um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just... It's very cool having uh, kind of a smaller space that you can really feel yeah. like you own, like you can really feel like you live in versus mm-hmm. Grand Theft Auto, which um, you get to know the streets that you frequent from time to time. But uh, for the most part, it just kind of feels like a big, empty, anonymous city. You know, anything could be in those buildings and you'd never know one way or the other. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I found that whilst I, uh, I'd agree with the Academy side of things, I thought that was... That's where the character is, but I found that the the town side of things was was somehow lacking for me. I didn't feel like even I could never remember the place. Like you know, I can think back to Grand Theft Auto Three even, and there's there's parts of that city that I remember very clearly. You know, maybe it's just because the game was kind of got its hooks into me, or, or maybe it's just the, the the city itself was designed in a, in a way that sort of where it became memorable. I didn't feel that way about the town, more, but only about the academy. Yeah, no, it's definitely interesting. I mean, I'm probably reaching, but arguably you should feel more at home and more not interested by, but you should feel like the school is kind of where you should be. And then when you go out into the town, most of the time you're going into the town, you shouldn't be there. Um, and you've obviously got the curfew that kicks in, but um, it's it's kind of... It does almost feel like, because it's less interesting, there's less to do there, it's it's kind of a one visit and done for any mm. of the main missions to, say, the the carnival or um, out to uh, the, the boxing club or out to the sort of townies area. Mm. Um, for the most part, you're not going to get to know the town around through the main missions. The The reason that I did is because I ended up doing a lot of the side missions, which is kind of what the town ends up being about, is a lot of the races or the paper rounds or the lawn mowing um, sort of side missions you can do take place out in the, in the, in the surrounding town. But actually a lot of the story stuff and a lot of the character uh, interactions are going to be taking place within the the sort of borders of the the Bullworth Academy, hmm. um, which does create this sort of weird situation where yeah, like as you say, where um, say Grand Theft Auto San Andreas is this massive sprawling map, um, and you're often being taken from one side of that map to the other, you know, just from one mission to the next. Whereas in in Bully, you're definitely doing that, but you're always coming back to home which is the school grounds and it's not just a flat where you're going to save your game or a you know a, that kind of a garage where you're going to pick up your car or whatever um it does actually feel like whenever you've gone through those gates 
this is where you should be. You know, I think there is that aspect to it. And it may not be intentional, as I say, I'm probably reaching, but um, yeah, no, I, I do tend to agree, Jay. I think the the town surrounding feels less interesting. And Ryan, the way you put it in terms of the difference in density um, definitely makes sense. The school feels packed with stuff to do and people to speak to and, you know, uh, life and, and sort of vibrancy around you in terms of seeing other students interact with one another or, or teachers interact with students just as you're walking through. And, and more dense than a lot of GTA games up to this point would have felt. First moment you walk through the gates, you see other kids fighting or, or shouting things at one another, etc. in a more densely packed way than you would generally have seen in even San Andreas or, or a game like that. So We've already kind of touched on, on vehicles for moving around, and yeah, so a lot of running, but when you want to travel large distances, you definitely can't hop in a car. So it kind of started to be... I, I knew there was a bike to be able to be unlocked, and I could not wait to get to the point where I could unlock <laughs> that bike because it makes moving around the town when you've got to you know get out to, say, the boxing club or something, it makes doing that a heck of a lot easier. Um. There's also Scooter, but that only comes in right at the end of the, the main story. But before that, the skateboard is is your means of moving around. And for zipping about the campus, that's great. But yeah, getting out into the into the town, it's just... Or rather getting away from prefects, more like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I never figured out how to reliably use the bicycle, like where to store it when I'm not... Because sometimes I'd leave it out in front of my in front of my dorm and it would just be mm. gone in the morning or sometimes I would uh, you know, take it across town and begin a mission and then the mission sends me elsewhere and I don't have my bicycle any longer. So I yeah, wish it was yeah. like in Sleeping Dogs, like where you can just go to any garage and you can pull out your car and just get a new one uh, for <laughs> wasn't free. Wasn't it always, wasn't, isn't there a bike always outside the main gate? Not when I was playing anyways. I remember there being one right at the beginning, but I may have <laughs> lost that one or it just never came back or whatever, but... I was always, uh, I'd always try to find somebody riding a bike and try to knock them off of it. I also, <laughs> I won a moped down at the uh, carnival, but never once found out how to access it. So it's probably <laughs> more on me than on the game. Um, yeah, no, I remember having bike outside the main gate or on your, your uh, beach house, clubhouse. Um, I'm pretty sure there was, there was, if I left a bike there, it was going to be there when I came back. Okay, so. but you had to like mm -hmm. manually drive it back there and park it in that spot, kind of like in Grand Theft Auto? I honestly couldn't say reliably whether okay. I was just doing that and therefore it seemed like it was always there or whether if I left it at the other side of town, yeah, it would end up being back there. The nice thing about um, Grand Theft Auto is that you can just hop in any old car and everybody's driving yeah, a car. Sure. And yeah. so, you know, there's hundreds <laughs> to choose from. Yeah. But if you're looking for a bike in Bully and you don't have one immediately right there with you, and you can be on the search for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, you can always pull your skateboard out, so it doesn't mm. necessarily mean running everywhere. But yeah, that's that's a, a poor man's uh, bicycle when it comes to getting around in this game, I think. Other than that, I thought the, the kind of movement and combat tutorials at the beginning set it up that this is much more melee heavy in terms of you're going to be doing lots of sort of fist fighting mm -hmm. um, than say a Grand Theft Auto game had kind of lent on by that point. Um, but moving around in the way the camera moved and the way the player moved within the third person environment um, felt very familiar to me as someone who'd played enough of the GTA games by this point. It all felt 
you know, like I knew what I was doing right from the off. How about you guys? Did you did you get on with the the combat and movement? Movement felt fine, other than the uh, mm. the tapping to run, which I, I still don't care for. It just feels like extra yeah. thumb movement that I don't really yeah. need to expend. But um, the combat is functional. It works. It's not engaging or fun. At least I didn't find it engaging or fun. Um, I, I do enjoy kind of hanging back from the battles and trying to pick people off with the slingshot. But as mm. far as the actual hand-to-hand stuff, I found it rather kind of flat especially after playing, you know, the more, um, you know, like the Arkham model games that are kind of standard today. Uh, yeah, it just didn't really do a lot for me. Yeah, I'm kind of the same with that. I didn't, mm. it became proficient through just having to do it so often in the game, but it wasn't, it never quite engaged. It never felt, and and even now, even today, like you play GTA Five, the hand-to-hand combat is it feels whilst the animation is better mm. and the reactions are slightly better from the you know the NPCs and stuff, they it still feels hit and miss. Yeah. You know, you mm-hmm. still feel like you'll punch to the side of the head or whatever, you know, or, or, or off center, and it, but you you know they still react or they don't react when you mm. feel they should, and it still feels slightly sketchy. Um, and it, it maybe it's just something that's been sort of a rock star thing yeah. since they were doing this kind of stuff. But but um, but the weird thing, I mean, slightly off on a tangent here. Mm. The weird thing about the the thing that stuck in my it still gets me now when I'm when I I went back briefly this week to um to look at it is it, what it's almost like and i don't know if it's deliberate but there's this sense of timelessness to where it's set and how mm. or rather the time it's set in mm. like i for some reason i keep it always makes me think it's set in like the 70s or something <laughs> i don't it's really hard to sort of pinpoint because you've got greases and stuff it feels yeah, yeah, almost yeah. like yeah. happy days <laughs> you know it's like it, it, yeah. it and maybe it's deliberate in terms of having these caricatured so, and maybe Happy Days was a reference. You never know with Rockstar. They use so many yeah, pop yeah, culture yeah. stuff. But yeah. but then, you know, there's characters, they talk about being on the internet and stuff. And you're yeah. thinking, well, yeah. well, that's just throwing me off completely now because <laughs> it's set in the modern day. But like you've got <laughs> greases and, you know, there's this whole kind of early 70s vibe to the thing and stuff. It's really weird. But yeah, kind of what makes yeah. it interesting in some ways as well. And the girls' hairstyles are like these kind of 60s... Very much, yeah. ...bouffant yeah, type, yeah. you know, with the hairbands and stuff. And then, you know, yeah, it's just... It, it, I'm, I'm sure it's entirely deliberate in terms of trying to create a kind <laughs> of timeless era, if you will, mm. a sort of classic... Um, Almost like when you go back and watch films like Porky's and stuff that were set in these kind of American high schools. Yeah, or yeah. Well, Was it a high school or was it kind of college dorm stuff? But it, it, they have that kind of thing to it, you know, where the film was in the 70s, but, you know, it was set in this kind of 60s almost thing where, you know, guys, we, you know, had these quiff hairstyles and stuff. And it was just, yeah, it, it had the, that kind of weird timelessness to it. Breakfast Club is a film that you definitely know when it's set by the music used, oh. by the style that the characters are choosing to dress by yeah. and by the way they're behaving, but equally well by the fact that the vast majority of it takes place within a school which can always look out of place. You can you can have go to a school nowadays and it looks like it is something out of the seventies if it's mm. you know, a slightly older, less well uh, funded school. Um 
and and yeah, there is that aspect to this where I don't remember seeing a lot of kids with mobile phones, which every kid has a mobile phone nowadays. Um, and even back in 2006, a lot of kids would have. Um, and the fact that they lean very, very hard on, on cliques is something that I tend to think of as being more of a a look back at the kind of romanticized notion of high school in the 60s, 70s, 80s type era. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, particularly American high schools where we think of sort of clique culture and, and the different various factions in, in a high school and in groups, etc. like jocks and, and prep kids and nerds that we have in this. Um, maybe that's as strong now as it would have been, you know, 20, 30 years ago. But um, yeah, I know exactly what you mean by virtue of the fact that the school isn't a very old building means that you're kind of, you're thrown off immediately because obviously it's supposed to have a lot of history to it. But um, but yeah, there's even uh, almost a bit, you know, when they introduce the greasers and you go around and you see them all there, you think back to the mods and rockers type era in, in the UK or, you know, yeah. that kind of thing as well. Or and, the fonts. <laughs> or the fonts, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's it's very odd. And, and there's touches of, of several films, you know, the, the main story has uh, a lot of kind of cruel intentions aspect to it as well, which would put it kind of in 90s era, but then I suppose modern day version of that would be something like Gossip Girl, where you've got kind of that kind of manipulative aspect of kids who have a lot of time on their hands and nothing to do but to mess with other kids, you know. The color scheme of the world kind of makes it look like an old 70s movie, although that might just yeah. be because that was the the trend in making games back then. And the music feels kind of, it's difficult to pinpoint, although there are mm, a couple yeah. songs here and there that do kind of sound like the San Francisco cop movies back from the 70s. Yeah. So that might be a touch point, but yeah, I don't know. It, it does feel kind of timeless. Which actually is one of the, you know, it's a real bonus in a sense. Mm. Like it's something that I actually praise the game for is is that kind of nondescript era in a sense where it's just a whole mishmash of different styles and, mm. and it, it keeps you going it just keeps it vague and yeah, um yeah. yeah i quite like that i mean it's something that i it feels rather isolated from the outside world as well like you're not getting mm. the radio stations like you would get in a grand theft auto game and so you can't really yeah. Yeah. compare yeah. with like what type of music is popular right now like people don't really talk about the outside world outside of the walls of the academy yeah. or outside of the town. And and that's part, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that's intentional um, because that's a great representation of what it's like to be a kid in high school. And, and another mm -hmm. aspect of keeping it vague in terms of when this is set means that if it's vague enough and you hit enough of the stereotypes, everyone's going to be able to relate this game back to their high school experience in some way, shape or form. Some aspect of this game is going to resonate even slightly with being at high school um and yeah that the the way they go about setting the tone in terms of music as well yeah there's there's little bits of music where as jay your story perfectly evoked it it's reminiscent of some kind of music you might have an association with you know um there's there's some of the tracks that are clearly uh, around the sort of Christmas time um, scene, which is all chapter, end of chapter two, beginning of chapter three in the game, um, that have a real sort of Tim Burton-esque feel 
to them. I shouldn't say Tim Burton, I guess, because it would mostly be Danny Elfman from his films. But um, and again, that that fits so well with the Christmas sort of setting and and of that particular point in the game. I think the other one of the other things that that having a strong high school setting that feels very insular in terms of not necessarily worrying about what's going on in the outside world. Um, and also having it set across the course of one um, school year with a real emphasis on Halloween, Christmas, spring, and then into kind of summer um, really reminded me of the Harry Potter books, mm, yeah. which I don't feel that can be coincidence because by that point, by 2005, 2006, that was the structure of those books that they took a school year, they leaned very heavily on a, a kind of idealized or romanticized notion of what those seasons are and what it is to be in high school. And I don't mean romanticized in terms of just positives, but um, almost like making it the, the way that o- over time, m- your memories of things kind of dull in some ways, but sharpen in others. And, and you create a very strong memory of something that maybe wasn't so strong at the time. Um, so always having snow at Christmas, for example, is something that, that again, this game shares with, with something like that, where it's um, it's more about the feeling of being at school rather than the specifics of it, if, if you see what I mean. It also had kind of flavors of like a prison movie, which is a metaphor <laughs> I think it came back to time and time again with the principal kind of acting more like a grumpy old warden than yeah, a uh, traditional true. principal at a school. And kind of the way that the school looks as well. Well, well yeah, because when you say that, actually, there's something about the Shawshank Redemption that sort of rings bells <laughs> about the way that Bull, uh, Bullworth Academy looks as well. It's yeah, just, yeah. and maybe it's because of the t- again with the time frame stuff. There's, there's, this, you know, you've got, um, yeah, with, with the warden and the uh, the guards wearing their uniforms and stuff, yeah. and because yeah. the uh, Shawshank set in the '60s, isn't it? All '50s, or is it? Um, 50s i think yeah 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 i don't know yeah that's i'm not gonna unsee that now every time i'm gonna (laughs) go back to that gun yeah the 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 prison um comparison i think is apt because you do have a curfew so although you can go out into the town you're left under no uncertain terms that you are Mm. not free in this world to do whatever you please um and also the school does have a lot of raw iron railings around it and does have that kind of imposing gothic look to it in terms of being it, it looks like it's just carved out of granite. It's just it's been this way forever and it's always gonna be. There's something mm. you know, all the graffiti on the walls or anything seems incidental to the fact that this building just is gonna be there. And you you do get the feeling that the principal has been there forever and that's why he is so atrocious at his job. He just doesn't care because he's been there forever. He's going to be there forever and he doesn't need to take an interest in, in a lot of what's going on. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really great call. I hadn't thought of that, but now you've said it, I'm going to struggle not to think of that, to be honest. <laughs> so speaking of the, the cliques that we've talked about, you're introduced at the very beginning of the game to in a cafeteria scene, just perfect for all of the filmic references we've talked about, you're introduced to the nerds, the jocks, the prep kids, so your rich kids basically, um, and greasers who, of course, hang out at the auto shop. Um, my school didn't have an auto shop, I've got to say, but um, I, I went with it nonetheless. 
I just wondered, because there's way too large a cast to mention everyone, if, if you guys had any particular favourite uh, members of the cast or moments in the story that, that you kind of typify this game for you. Um, Jay, do you want to, um, if you have anything that comes to mind, obviously? Well, kind of. Um, and it, it's totally something that I, I can't, my imagination kind of ran with it. You've got the two kind of, you've got Jimmy Hopkins, who's the main yeah. protagonist. And I guess uh, Gary Smith, who's the main antagonist, which is Gary Smith is actually quite uh, I, I, a strange character. I mean, mm. like really quite sinister. I mean, the, the, some of the, the like there's a point where you, you mentioned about the Halloween sequence in the game, yeah. and there's like this fancy dress, and was uh, you've got the little the kid who's kind of the third, yeah, member. Pete, who's who's the Pete? That's it. He's a he's like this pink dressed as a, a little pink rabbit or something, and mm. and Jimmy was dressed as um, he's got one of the skeleton suits that people yeah. often wear. Yeah, and I like the uh, those bullies from the Karate Kid. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, and then Gary's got this SS uniform on when you go into the room, which. <laughs> yeah. I got it. At that, that point, you kind of yeah. I think it was there. I was thinking, yeah, this is a rock star guy because yeah, it's just yeah. you know. But there was um. But I've got this thing where I when I play the game now, or when I went back to it, I'm thinking like this game set in the early seventies, and this is how I now see this, and I can't I can't not see it because mm. there are similar personality traits here that I picked up on that it made me think of him so. I've now created this backstory or the future story for Gary Smith. So Gary Smith, after what happens in the game, um, because he mentions that he's on medication. So after the events that take place mm. in this game, he gets institutionalized, goes on stronger medication, eventually is released and changes his name to Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> and the Trevor Phillips that you see in Grand Theft Auto V is actually Gary Smith at, or back as Gary Smith is the Trevor Phillips in the seventies, yeah, yeah. and this is this is Trevor's. I now play Bully as Trevor Phillips's origin story. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, absolutely. The thing is, yeah, it. like, it, it it fits for some strange reason. I found that it worked because um, there's, there's things about Gary Smith's personality, then, and, and and maybe it's also his kind of. Um, and I've wondered about this because I've often wondered who does the motion capture stuff for Rockstar because it always feels very familiar. Mm. Like they have a, a very specific kind of either exaggerated movement with their hands and, and they they have the same kind of stance. And I've often wondered if it's not just because it's they use the same people that are doing all the <laughs> motion capture. So in every game, they feel familiar because it's the same person doing it. But mm. he even has similar kind of body language as Trevor yeah, Phillips. Yeah. And so it was like obviously Steve Ogg played Trevor, so it's definitely not him. But yeah, no, it, no. but this thing now where every time I play this game, I'm going <laughs> to go back and see it as Trevor Phillips's origin. Yeah, well, um, I actually I, I took a look at the um, the sort of full credits list today, and a lot of the voice actors are also listed amongst the motion capture, but they don't tell mm. you who motion captured which yeah. character. So. It maybe makes sense that they'd use the voice actor to go with that character, but it's not necessarily the case because not every voice actor is in that motion capture list. Mm. So, uh, yeah, difficult to know. Um, one thing that I found very interesting was that, despite the fact I, I've mentioned to you guys before we started, that there's a long voice cast list and there's 
a different actor for every character. So unlike some games where you'll suddenly get you know a person's name and two or three characters or maybe some some kind of extra work they did for henchman number one or whatever Mm. that's just not the case here there weren't any names that stood out to me as being familiar but a massive list of of a voice cast that seems to have been particularly chosen and cast to suit the particular character um which yeah just stood out to me as, as something that seems very rock star like um just on the trevor note when the the um the ex-military drunk hobo is introduced. I got a very Trevor vibe from that character yeah. as well. He's uh, a little crazed, a little unhinged, um, and you're not quite sure what he's going to do. I think the, the like bully bully is a real oddity. I think within mm. the Rockstar stable of games, anyway. I mean, maybe in the same way that table tennis is as well. <laughs> <laughs> I've often wondered, like you know, because they've they've done sequels to a lot of their hit titles now, whether you know, Bully was seen as a as as a hit. I I, I don't know. I mean, it, I think it sold about sort of one and a half, two million copies mm-hmm. overall. So I wouldn't say it was a, a it wasn't a failure. But you know, is that maybe that's not what they're looking for? But mm-hmm. it 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 just is it. It feels really unusual within sort of the way the Rockstar yeah. had, had yeah, gone with their games. And I don't mm. just mean because they've gone for these violent things. It's it's quite a strange title. It's a real, you know, the fact that they've never followed it up um, in nine years kind of, may, in part, is what makes it stand out so much now. Is it just, it's just like, like similar with the, the thing with table tennis is that it just feels like, wow, you know why? Why did they come up with this? Who who thought of this? Mm. And and I know it's it wasn't like their main studio either, was it? Being Vancouver, it was yeah, one no, of their sort of yeah. less prominent sort of. Um, you know, and usually it's the Rockstar North guys who who are the big sort of game leaders in that regard. Mm. But but um, but yeah, with the voice cast, it's it's a strange one. But at this point, because they for for the briefest time between sort of San, Vice City and San Andreas they'd started bringing in big hollywood names hmm. i think at some point they just realized that it wasn't really bringing anything to their game anyway yeah. and it was probably costing considerably more to bring in people like Samuel Jackson and Ray Liotta and um uh you know the the all these big hollywood names to come in and do that to to do some voice work than it was to do you know more focused um specifically cast stuff and, and unknowns. I mean, I think in, in some ways uh, their games benefit from using unknown voice casts as Definitely, well. I yeah, think it means it, you've got no preconceptions for the characters. Yeah, you don't, you're, yeah. you're not trying yeah. to place that voice all the time. You're not yeah. trying to think, oh, who's that? Oh, it's, yeah, it's this guy. I remember yeah. him. Yeah, he was on that TV series, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm sure the, the voice censors have done a lot of TV and stuff if you bother going through their IMDBs, yeah. but it's, you know, none, none, none of it detracts from or distracts you from their performance and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Ryan, any anyone in the cast or any moments in the story particularly stand out for you? Um, yeah, there were a couple of moments that I, I thought were kind of funny. Like, I liked um, I liked when Emmett the was that his name, the leader of the nerds, was running for school president, and he <laughs> used kind of unfortunate <laughs> Nazi sim, um, symbols to kind of uh, <laughs> reinforce his his campaign. Um, it was kind of funny, like playing on the like superiority complex that these oppressed nerd groups tend to rile up. But overall, I think that, and this is one of the bigger problems that I have with the game in general, and maybe mm. this is more about the tone of the game, but 
every single character felt like such a like a gross exaggeration that mm. it yeah. made it really hard for me to relate with anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. They put you in this big world that doesn't feel like it can really stand up under its own weight. Like these mm. characters are so incompetent at their jobs and they, they, nobody feels real. And so it's like, who's making this world work and who's, um, you know, everybody <laughs> is, uh, Jimmy's parents are cartoonishly incompetent and yeah. the mm. faculty of the school are drunks or just completely oblivious to everything that's happening. And all of the characters are so, ugly and unlikable in everything in this kind of like grand theft auto type of way everything feels like it's a really harsh satire but i think if that's the case they should have made it like funny or anything mm -hmm. like give it some personality or something but it, everything just feels like satire for satire's sake and there's not really a lot of laughs and there's not really a lot of like mm -hmm. jokes in there it's just kind of mm -hmm ugliness for ugliness's sake and so i yeah i don't know i just have a problem with the with the tone and that kind of kept me at a arm's length from any of the characters because nobody felt real and that it kept the whole environment from feeling real and from feeling engrossing to me that could be a, i mean that, that that's something that you could level at a lot of the rockstar games such as the gta games as well when you've got and I think maybe it's something they're trying to uh, to to address, mm -hmm. but I often wonder if if like Peach shouldn't have been the perhaps the, I mean he's probably the most sympathetic character or, or empathetic, yeah, the character you can empathise with because yeah. he, he he's kind of the most normal, yeah, um, yeah. But every like you say, everyone else is this gross caricature. I mean the 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 sh the cook is probably <laughs> oh, one of the most yeah. horrendous, yeah. hideous characters in the game, just ridiculous, but horrible like warts and ends up raping mm. another teacher and it's like what is going on with this character yeah 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 it's it's bizarre um yeah i've got to say i i actually feel that this does a better job than i, I played this just after gta 4 and there was obviously a lot of concerns mm. that the character in gta 4 feels inconsistent in terms of the mm. way that he's being represented this is the main character, um, Nico. The way mm. he's being represented and then the choices that either the player makes or that the game makes for you in terms of the type of mission you're going to have to go on next. Whereas, actually, I feel that um, in Bully, the fact that it's a high school setting, and it is incredibly satire-heavy, I agree with that. It's, it's dripping in satire almost more than any other game Rockstar have made uh, in terms of using stereotypes to poke fun at other stereotypes, basically. Um, but I felt that that was supposed to be, and obviously you didn't feel this way, Ryan, I felt that was supposed to be a representation of what it's like to be a, a kid, where mm -hmm. literally it, it's, it can seem like everyone is, is against you, everyone is horrid, or you know it, it can feel like people are stereotypes and parents are useless and teachers are just incompetent and in your way um and it felt like because there wasn't there weren't guns there wasn't driving there wasn't murder it felt like a more coherent world in that respect mm. because the characters may have been doing daft things they may have been doing things that were out of character but the nature of the the, the world that 
Bully represents in terms of the type of high school and the type of students, they are all kind of unhinged in a way that that is a, an extremely um, exaggerated version of what it is to be a teenager and to go from being someone's best friend to their worst enemy over a break time. I mean, literally, you know, um, that kind of just massive emotional swing and reaction to things going on around you. And and I found myself, Pete is, is obviously kind of the, the, the one completely put upon by Gary and by just about everybody else, but he is supposed to be the kind of normal kid there. But one thing I did actually like was Jimmy is a very consistent character in many respects. Whenever a teacher speaks to him, He's never trying to worm his way out by misrepresenting who he is or what yeah. he's done. He's actually really, really honest. And he's not a decent kid by any stretch of the imagination. He's been bounced and expelled from various schools uh, and found himself in, in this one and doesn't make a great job of, of putting his best foot forward in, in this game. But there is an honesty to him. You get the feeling that this kid probably has been dealt a bad hand by just about everyone around him and and put into situations where he's ended up doing a lot of um, awful stuff. Um, But yeah, I I found that during the course of the game, I I really enjoyed the fact that Jimmy was written in a, a pretty consistent way that made me think, you know what, there's something to this kid. You can believe that he does actually get everyone in the school on his side. And you can also believe that in this is the kind of most cruel intentions-esque moment when um, more than three quarters through the game, uh, that sort of last 10% of the game, I guess, where Gary pulls the rug out from under him and has set you up and manipulated you into um, a situation where it looks like you're the bad guy to just about everyone despite having five minutes earlier been the saviour of the school. That all that all made the, that kind of ridiculous turn at the end and, and the ridiculous fight down the, the kind of clock tower um, at the end right into the principal's office. Um, it made that... It made me okay with that because I felt as um, disgruntled or, or um, put out as, as Jimmy would have done at the notion of how much he's gone through, every all the difficulties he's gone through to to um, solve everyone's problems around him. Uh, a lot of this game's fighting fires. I like the Christmas scene because you're dragged into the pageant to make up numbers for that <laughs> and you end up on stage dressed idiotically playing a rhythm action game. And then you go off and try and help a drunkard Santa get some pictures of, um, of him with kids that are decent. And it's just such a bizarre sequence where you actually realise that Jimmy is just trying to do the best he can to actually make a positive difference, which is bizarre for a character you would have assumed to be basically a bully uh, at some point uh, in the game. So the the Christmas scenes I, I particularly liked, but Jimmy's character I, I really did feel for. I've got to say I, I related to him, despite being nothing like him, related to him quite strongly. Mm. One of the things I wish the game would have done was making the world or at least its inhabitants feel more interesting outside of the missions. Um, Mm. You know, I would have liked if there was some sort of level of character permanence to these characters just as they're walking around the school. It kind of felt like as soon as you were outside of missions that everybody just became 
I, I forget the term that deadly deadly premonition uses for characters who aren't important, but they're like plants or vegetables or something like that. They're just like <laughs> part of the scenery at that yeah, point. Yeah, sure. And I, I think it would have been neat to have kind of like a, a system like in Fable 2 where you can have relationships with each character or like The Sims or like Animal Crossing or something mm. like that where you could interact with these people and they would remember or even like a Shadow of Mordor type thing where if you pick on yeah. one character, yeah. he might come back and find you later. <laughs> um, you know, it's all set up to be, and the story is very much structured around these social hierarchies and the importance of each individual within a group, but mm. the gameplay mechanics outside of the missions don't really support yeah, that. that's fair. And, you know, at the end of some missions, you get, uh, kind of updates on your popularity ranking among, uh, mm. these What's various groups. Yeah, you'll, you'll increase yeah. like you know, t plus 25 favor with the nerds, minus 25 favor, the favor with the jocks. But that feels like a kind of invisible decision that's being made just based on how the the mission went. Like it's not really anything that you're doing. And as far as, you know, gameplay progression is concerned, you have to go through those missions. And so, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's a set mission reward. So there's, right. there's, yeah, there's very little influence you have aside from I chose to continue the story. Yeah. Whereas in like, uh, I, I feel weird bringing this one game up so many times during this podcast, but like in Sleeping Dogs, which <laughs> I, I swear I'm not being paid off by Square Enix or anything like that, but you should all play it. Um, but, but Sleeping Dogs, like you could um, increase your favor with the police or with the criminal mm -hmm. world just based on like the choices you make during the mission, how violently you uh, yeah. You yeah. choose to partake or um, undergo that mission, and how many you know civilian casualties you've mm -hmm. left in your wake, yeah. and all of this yeah, and that how much and, damage you've done, yeah, yeah, absolutely. and that makes sense because it's like you know mm. based on how you choose to engage with these set situations, uh, you know you can choose to be a good guy, you can choose to be a bad guy, you can choose to favor one group over the other, yeah. and it would have yeah. made sense to incorporate something like that into Bully, but uh, that's not really the way that it ended up going, and even you know no. you can choose to beat up people outside of missions or you know uh, take lunch money away from people but it doesn't really seem to affect how much they as characters like you or their click likes Not you so. it's yeah. just what yeah. happens in the missions that um, and even that was a little bit invisible to me i never really felt animosity from any group in particular any more than regular no matter how you know yeah. how many points in or against their favor i found myself I mean, it's it's interesting when you say that because they kind of added something into from Grand Theft Auto Four. They added the ability to call up the people on the phone and go out for drinks and increase your friendship with individuals. Uh, you couldn't have a negative. Well, you could have a negative effect if you didn't meet up with them. If you arranged something and then failed to show up, it would have an impact on on a in, in a negative aspect. I think one member of each of the cliques both. I think both male and female, and mm. I might be misremembering, apologies if I am, um, that you can um, give gifts to and increase your relationship with to the point where they kiss you, but that's it. So there is kind of this this thing where, and, and some of the main missions have you go on dates with, with particular people, etc. but there's kind of this really bare-bones effort to to have that level of sort of personal personal relationship with some of the students but no you're absolutely right Ryan you you can actually as you're running through the school you can see characters that because they are unique um 
character models, you know exactly who that character mm. is, and there's very little interaction you can have with them other than just rugby tackling them or wrestling them to the ground. Uh, and then that has zero knock-on effect, basically. I think it would it would have been really cool if we can see these characters having interactions and you know forming mm-hmm. relationships and stuff with each other, kind of like in The Sims, yeah. how yeah, yeah. characters mm-hmm. would just kind of exist and have their own lives outside of um, you know our interactions with them. Or even in yeah. Deadly yeah. Premonition, again, like you could follow characters around and they would mm-hmm. go about their day, and you could learn really interesting things about these characters based on what they did you know, when they weren't being interacted with, just when they were going about their day. And, you know, it would have been really neat to have um, Mm. something like that would make the world feel more Mm. real and more consistent, probably. Well, that's definitely, that is definitely something they've added in. I mean, in terms of Mm. making characters feel authentic or or whatever, or having a life outside of the game stuff, they've Mm. definitely I feel they've done that with yeah, the later yeah, games. Yeah, from certainly from Red Dead Redemption onwards, mm-hmm. I feel that they've focused on the way that the NPCs what they do. And you know, I've spent I've spent a long time just following like a one character around just mm-hmm. to see hit what they do. And and particularly when you're in like Red Dead Redemption and you watch the the um, blacksmith, and you know, it's got this whole sequence of stuff that he's just you know putting horseshoes on. You know, making horseshoes, putting them on the horse, and then yeah. going a bit to the bar and stuff. And you're like, "Wow, this is insane!" Yeah, and, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe it was just um, hardware limitations at the time, because I mean, even if you played it on the 360, it was really just a port of of what they'd done. It. Yeah, exactly know? that. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's that's probably uh, worth saying now is that in 2009, Sean Lee did a, an interview who was the music director on this game. Um, where he suggested he was being put onto a new project and specifically referred to it as Bully 2 would be one of the next things he was working on. That obviously didn't happen. Um, It seems like it must have been planned because he wouldn't just say that out of nowhere, you would imagine. Um, And also in two interviews, one in 2011, one in 2013, Dan Hauser has specifically said that he he would like to go back to Bully and they have ideas for where the, a sequel would go. And you would have to imagine that some of the kind of character interaction aspects of particularly, as you say, Red Dead Redemption, but also Grand Theft Auto V, um, in terms of having characters that feel like they have relationships with one another, even in your absence, um, hmm. but also feel, you know, even the, the non-interactive, if you like, uh, NPCs that you can't really build a relationship with, you can follow them to your heart's content and see what they're up to in their day. Um, and some of that stuff in a high school setting where you do have a lot of um, different and complicated relationships with people from, you know, different groups, etc. that could be really, really interesting. Um, I'd, be, I'd be genuinely interested and fascinated to mm-hmm. see how, or, or, you know, in terms of how they develop a sequel to this, in terms of where they would take it, Mm. And not just because of like where they've recently been with the likes of Grand Theft Auto. It's just, it's just, it feels very self-contained. And you know, I can't see that Jimmy would be a character. I mean, similar in the way that Grand Theft Autos rarely ever go back to, um, you know, their principal characters, other than maybe a brief cameo or a mention here and there. Mm. 
it, it, it made me it makes me wonder and it also makes me wonder how people receive a game like this I mean assuming like a game like bully or a bully 2 would not need a huge you know uh, San Andreas size map you know it wouldn't need this huge no, area yeah. so it would have to be tighter and I wonder if, if people would have got to the stage where if it's a rockstar game they expect expect these huge expansive open world places you know yeah. and, and and maybe if they downsize that that how how would people react to that yeah. I mean the thing is it's like you're thinking about it now it's like you said earlier you know the game nine years old yeah yeah, yeah. and there's a lot yeah. of people that you know their entire that that's longer than their entire sort of gaming history you know and yeah. it's like and how how would these new players embrace would they embrace a title like Bully mm. 2 or you know I'd, I'd just be fascinated to see how it, I mean on, on so many different levels mm. I'd like to see where they could take this in terms of how they would go about it and and the, the general sort of consumer sort of reaction to it as well yeah I think a, a smaller map you're right how many times have we heard particularly Grand Theft Auto and, and open world games like that series um, refer to in in advertising materials or preview um, coverage on on various places, the size of the map being as big as X, Y, and Z put together, and and that's it's meaningless. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. No. The no. secret of a Grand Theft Auto Five is that it's that big and actually still feels really densely packed. It doesn't feel mm. sparse and empty, um, and that's the secret to a smaller map in in a potential bully sequel is how much more densely packed can that then be with incident, incidental environmental goings on, just stuff that's not really, you're not interacting with. It's just stuff that's happening uh, between, you know, teachers and yeah. students, etc. cetera. Uh, but also in the way that you can interact with that, it, it could feel a lot more densely populated. Um, and again, if they pitched this as something that was more of a, uh, like a complex social simulation, kind of like a Persona mm. 4 would have been, <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. you know very cleverly implemented a lot of uh, a lot of lessons learned from the dating game genre and from the RPG genre mm. and kind of fused that into what was actually a pretty compelling high school simulation like I could I could go for that I can go for a sequel to bully that was um, more about the scope of social interactions rather than the physical yeah. scope of the world. Yeah, yeah no, no, I, I totally, I totally go for that. It's, it's because I think if they if they didn't add something really interest, really new into the mechanics into the gameplay, it would feel it, it had the it has the real risk of feeling just like a revamped version of what they've already done before, yeah. and they've always tried to sort of, I mean. Even with the GTA games, they've 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 always kind of whilst the mission structure always feels familiar, they often they've used the hardware innovation and, and stuff like that to kind of increase, you know, like having multiple characters, which mm. would would make the possibility of having multiple protagonists in a bully game quite interesting as well. Mm -hmm. And the way that they interact with one another. Um it yeah. could be quite mm. a fascinating sort of yeah, it could be really interesting. I want a sequel now. <laughs> I just... If we think of Bully as a Grand Theft Auto with kids in it, basically, um, it, you're absolutely right, Jay. This is a nine-year-old game, and it, it felt, when it came out in 2006, 
like it was less advanced than San Andreas had, had been in, in yeah, some ways. Yeah. Um, hmm. So, it, and especially in the way it looked, I think as well, even in 2006, I don't think this looked like a particularly great game. By 2008, they'd done some graphical improvements, but it still didn't look hmm. fantastic because it was based on a PS2 game yeah. and an engine that was at that stage and a game design ethos that was at least that old, if not older. Um, more like a Vice City almost sort of era. Um, and by the time that the, um, we all all played it in 2000, sort of 2010, when we really kind of got sunk, stuck our teeth into it, it would have felt even older. But all the way during that time, Rockstar have iterated upon this core structure, which still remains to a great extent in a game like Grand Theft Auto V, but they've iterated and improved and added to that so much that a bully sequel that came out now would almost bear no resemblance to this game in some ways, which is kind of odd to say, but... You can imagine, just throwing this out there, but you've got like, uh, you know, having a, a high school, say a modern day setting with similar to what they've got in, in GTA where they've got the internet yes, and you can yeah. go on various websites mm-hmm. and stuff. You can imagine if they did like with also their like Instagram and, and their equivalent of social media sites, that that stuff could be really interesting <laughs> set in, yeah. in a high yeah. school environment and stuff. And the way that, you know, like a, a shadow of Mordor, like uh, display of the popularity in certain <laughs> clicks, like that would be yeah, incredibly yeah. fascinating to yeah. be able to work out, yeah. set people against each other, and and try to work work your way to the top of that. Like that's the kind of game. Because if we think about like foundationally, if we want to see a sequel to Bully, what does Bully have mechanically other than the fascination of the high school environment that is really Mm. like better than Grand Theft Auto? And mechanically, like it's not a lot really. And so Mm. thinking about these other ways that this, uh, this setting can be leveraged to turn into interesting mechanics would really be the way to go. And I think there's Mm. room there for some really neat improvements, but you know, it's really up to them. So th- those are our thoughts on potential sequels. And I think we've <laughs> probably um, come to the end of our particular discussion on this game. We'll obviously summarize ourselves, what we each individually thought of the game. But before we do that, I am delighted to say that we had a pretty strong response to um, this game. It's, it's sometimes difficult to know which games are going to mm. um, inspire people to want to, to get in touch with us. Uh, but over at com slash forum, we had uh, quite a bit of discussion about this game. I have picked out some of the uh, the particularly uh, the, the best comments that we had. Um, and Jay, I wonder if you could get us started with the first of our community feedbacks. Sure. This one's from Deacon05OC. I remember picking up Bully for Cheap on the PS2 right after moving on to the Xbox 360. It did not strike an interest with me despite being a fan of Rockstar and the Grand Theft Auto series, but I gave it a shot and was really surprised at the care that Rockstar put into building this world. Most of us think that high school is another world and they managed to pull that off. The fact that the developer managed to take the GTA formula and apply it to a legit story that wasn't crime focused was a major achievement. This game was showing us what would become of the Red Dead Redemption, which I feel is their best game. I loved every second of this. 
A follow-up would be cool with the characters in college or something like that. Yeah, that's an interesting thought as well. If they did follow the same characters to take them to a different setting, I guess you you lose the high school aspect is the unfortunate thing. But, um, another longer piece of feedback from Scrussel. I first played Bully on the PS2 when it was still under the name Canis Canum Edit. I was around the same age as the protagonist when I first played it, so even though the cultural setting was quite different, I found it easily relatable. Rockstar did a brilliant job of creating the setting. They took a similar approach to how they create their GTA games, but made a pastiche of various schoolyard stereotypes instead of an urban criminal underworld, whilst retaining that dark, satirical and cynical edge. Despite most of the characters being generally horrible and archetypal tropes, they often had more to them, and watching them interact and change as the story continued was actually pretty involving. The way the environment itself changes over time was also brilliant, Having the story broken up into a school year with the seasons changing how the school and town looked helped create the sense of time progressing and what different parts of the year mean to kids at that age. I really love the soundtrack of the game too. It fits the setting perfectly and does a great job of emphasising it. There's a darkness to it, but in a way that evokes a sense of mischief, as if, much like many of the characters in the game, it's trying to conceal something sinister under surface appearances of a humdrum existence. It's quite unlike anything else I've heard in games. Most games stick with orchestral, electronic or rock soundtracks meant to excite or tug at your heartstrings. Instead, Bully chose something all of its own. Whenever I think about the game, the main theme is never far from my mind. The gameplay isn't particularly spectacular, but again seems to fit perfectly with the setting. On a basic level, it's fairly clunky and involves a lot of rudimentary elements. The combat system is basic, as is the the vehicular system. The classes are often repetitive and dull, but it makes sense as you play a loutish teenager who would rather be getting into trouble than engaging in tedious lessons that fail to inspire anyone. A lot of the tools you have at your disposal are quite good though. You get a lot of appropriate toys to cause mischief with if you so choose. These weapons as well as the side activities in the game are all perfectly thought out to fit the role of a teenage troublemaker simulator. Despite the game being very rough around the edges in terms of mechanics and visuals, both on release and a game with the Scholarship Edition, it's managed to very firmly lodge itself into my memory by evoking certain feelings extremely well. It's both playful and morose, cliched and subversive. It has a mundanity to it, yet it manages to keep you on edge for what might happen next. Thank you for that. Uh, Ryan, would you like to give us the next one, please? Yeah, LX79UK says... Yet another game that I'm hoping the podcast will inspire me to finish. I wasn't that interested in Bully on release, but listening to Dave Turner on Joypod talking about how much he was enjoying it made me really want to give it a go. After waiting ages for a good price, I got the PS2 Classics version about a year or so ago. I played, I played it a little, but really haven't gotten that far into it at all. What I played seemed fun, if a little hampered by slightly clunky controls. To be honest, in a move that undoubtedly wins me the Dad of the Year award, my eight-year-old son has spent more time with it than me, just wandering around the school, shooting girls and teachers with his catapult. It's a game I'd love to get stuck into properly one day. Oops, I just noticed. It's a 15 certificate. I didn't notice any bad language when we were playing it. Just general tomfoolery. Maybe that comes later. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the um, last bit there, uh, Alex didn't realise until after his post that it was a 15 <laughs> certificate. <laughs> and I did check with him. He was okay for us to put in that his eight-year-old was playing it. But I think it's a fair point because actually 
Um, Glenn Watts made a good a good point on the on this particular forum post as well, which is the BBFC rated it fifteen for imitable behaviour, and there are certain trigger things um, that BBFC label as imitable behaviour that will automatically get a fifteen release. And I think tonally a fifteen feels about right for this um, mm. this game, in my opinion. Obviously, my inexpert opinion, but there is kind of because of the mischievous tone, because it's school setting, and because, as we mentioned, the the music and the kind of the seasonal um, aspect to the game, it does make it feel like it's almost playful in that respect. It is almost made more for kids than a game like Grand mm-hmm. Theft Auto is. So, yeah, I think it's very interesting that an, an eight-year-old can sit down with this and just have fun being mischievous and just doing, you know, just running around, not necessarily worrying about the game and the missions and what the the high school politics of the whole thing are. Um, but, yeah, yeah, just thought that was a really interesting aside. Okay, Jay, we've got one from Baker's 12. Hi, Baker's 12 says... I downloaded Bully for two ninety nine on the three sixty in a sale. My first my first thoughts was that it reminded me of playing school days on the Spectrum. Despite being a relatively old game by then, I played it during the lead up to GTA five. I was instantly impressed by the game. The music, the style of the game helped elevate the aged graphics. I liked the star- Scarface in boarding school storyline. There are things the bully does well that latter Rockstar games still struggle with, like melee combat and interesting mini-games. Bully is probably my second favourite Rockstar game, only behind Red Dead Redemption. If a sequel is ever made, I hope it's set in a UK comp in the 80s, basically Grange Hill the video game. That's a really nice touchstone that I guess Grange Hill probably won't mean much to you, um, Ryan, but it was a uh, kids' <laughs> Best nope. theme tune ever. Kids TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, kids' TV show uh, set in, as it says, uh, a UK comprehensive school in the 80s and has a lot... That, yeah, I guess that would that's something that I hadn't thought of, but quite possibly the people who... Um, any of the people in Rockstar's UK-based... Um, studios who might have had any input on this game that would have probably been a big touchstone for them because that's about a lot of um, interpersonal relationships with a bunch of kids at, at school you know it's very very much and something heroin <laughs> and some more serious storylines that it touches on yeah um, but yeah that's a, that's a really good shout for uh, for a, a sort of touchstone for this game for anyone who is from the UK and, and mine and Jay's sort of age Okay, our final piece of community feedback on the forums, as mentioned, canonrinse.com slash forum. If you want to go there in the weeks leading up to a, a particular game we're covering, we'll have threads on there where you can get into conversations or just leave us your thoughts on the game. Uh, our last one comes from Deadpool Negative, also known as Dan Coyle, who says, Bully, as it's known here in the States, ranks as the only game I can recall that I've bought three times. Once on the PS2, the Scholarship Edition on the 360, and a few years after I'd traded that in, I bought the Scholarship Edition again on a big 360 sale. The two times I've traded it in, I felt like I'd gotten all I needed out of it, but something called me to experience it once again. The best Rockstar open world games, I think, are the ones where the experience lingers in the mind long after playing the game. 
I can recall my day of arrival at Bullworth, my first meetings with Gary and Pete, trying to break into the local mental institution to reunite two star-crossed lovers who were also my teachers. Playing arcade games, hitting the carnival, interacting with and doing missions for the various factions in the schools, getting expelled and braving the townies, and finally the final confrontation on the bell tower with Gary. The story isn't perfect, Gary disappears from the narrative for way too long, and the idea that everyone blames Jimmy for his actions doesn't hold water, but overall I found it satisfying. One thing I particularly like is that Jimmy doesn't have a hidden heart of gold. It's more that he's fed up with what he sees as the phoniness of the entire system of Bullworth, from the principal to the teachers to the various factions of students. The most telling scene is when he tells Russell to stop bullying weaker kids, not for any noble reason, but because Jimmy is disgusted that Russell is simply playing out the role that he believes society of Bullworth has chosen him for. This plays into his confrontations with the greasers, the preppies, the nerds and the townies. His refusal to see them not just as stereotypes, though most of them are, is what leads him to inadvertent detente with each group. And in the end, he winds up with Zoe, a girl who's every bit as equal. Jimmy unites Bullworth by refusing to conform. Back to the experience of Bully. This may seem like a bizarre comparison, but I often thought of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas when playing this game. One of the best parts of San Andreas was the pacing. The way the story moved, you would find yourself going from one distinct area of the state of San Andreas after another. Bully works in a similar fashion, though it's not quite as overt. The sections of the town feel visually distinct. Bully isn't quite as exciting as Rockstar's best. The mechanics are stiff for one thing, but I enjoy it because Jimmy's world feels somewhat like a real one. You can go to class, blow it off, and hang out at the carnival, cause random mischief, or just go biking around the town. My experiences in school in the real world were, to put it bluntly, extremely unpleasant. Bully offers me a chance to do it again, and this time get it right. Something kind of heartwarming about that, actually. That's a uh, really nicely put Mm. um, just detail of, of your experiences, Dan. So thank you very much for that. And thank you to everyone whose uh, feedback we've read and, and anyone who left a comment on the forums and we didn't read. Thank you to you as well. It's uh, it's about having a conversation going. That means we can we can kind of pick out some uh, some nice recalls about a game like uh, like these ones. Uh, the other thing we will do on generally on the day of recording, which is is going to be a week and a half or so before the um, or a couple of weeks before the um, the episode actually comes out, is our Twitter feed, at Rince. We will put out a request for three-word reviews. We ask you to condense your thoughts on a game to three very, very importantly chosen words. And we have a bunch of those from you today. Uh, first up, Nathan Druitt at Ideology Light says, Bite me, dillweed. Ape mutterings. Mmm, Christmas jumper. <laughs> At Yancey Street, says Nelson Munt Simulator. Stephen Thompson-Jones, also known as Count Stex, says Prep Nerd Jock. Morbid Beard, Underappreciated Gem. And Chris Lacey says Skateboard Slingshots Wedgies. <laughs> Wonder what he spent his time doing. <laughs> okay, that rounds up our uh, contributions from our community members and pe- people who've interacted with us on Twitter. Thank you very much, one and all. And that leaves us to round up our feelings about the game. I wonder if, Ryan, you would start us off. 
Yeah, sure. Um, Bully. I, uh, I hate to do this, but I, I didn't like Bully very much at all, really. Um, I think it has some really interesting ideas. I think it plants some really interesting seeds. And so, uh, you know, if you're interested in making a kind of game like this yourself or further hypothesizing about where this kind of thing can go, then, you know, it's worth it's worth seeing or at least experiencing a little bit of for uh, for that. Um, I think it does an, an interesting job of world building. And I especially like any game that will... Um, you know, completely redecorate its world for Christmas or for Halloween or for all these various seasons that you go through. But as far as the game itself, I found the moment to moment to be fairly unsatisfying. I found the missions to be fairly dull and without very much payoff mechanically or uh, story-wise, really. I found the humor to be uh, pretty lackluster and you know, since that was one of the main things that the script was really written around, that was a kind of a major point of contention for my own experience. And, um, you know, just more than anything, I, I felt that the characters didn't feel real enough to really invest me in this open world environment. You know, you can create as, um, as interesting a world as you would like, but if you populate it with people who are so ugly and uh, just broad stereotypes, then it's really going to undermine the whole experience that you're trying to uh, engross me in. And so really, I'd love to see a bully too. That was um, a more competent um, a social simulation, uh, one that was a little bit more intimate than a Grand, Th Grand Theft Auto would have been, where the characters really feel meaty and fully fleshed out and just really uh, present and real and interesting. Uh, people I'd like to spend more time with, but as of as of this one, there just really wasn't a lot that kept me hooked. I just was doing uh, doing terrible things to terrible people at the behest of other terrible people, and um, yeah, you know, I just I, I'm glad that I played it overall, but I, I can't really pass on a recommendation at this point in in gaming history. I think there are other games that do what bully was doing better um these days okay thank you very much um i i chose the order we would give our summaries in uh apropos of not really knowing about what, what <laughs> either of you thought about this game except for obviously i know how i feel um so this is going to seem like probably the biggest swing from one summary to the other that we've <laughs> had on a, a kane rins podcast but um Bully is my favourite Rockstar game. Um, it, it's not even a close competition. Um, I I have a lot of respect for Rockstar games and all of the games they have ma made. But um, back on our Red Dead Redemption show, I, t I talked about the fact that often the way that characters are portrayed and often the fact that they give you choice over missions that you do and then don't reflect the choices you made in terms of what order you're doing missions in, um, all sort of to kind of chip away at the veneer of, of a lot of Rockstar's open world games and leave me feeling unsatisfied with the story that's being told and wondering why the Rockstar often feel like they're sitting on a seesaw and they're not sure whether to go more for the open world player can do whatever they want or to try and tell the cinematic story. And I think the, the kind of mission structure they have and the way that characters can often appear um, 
wildly different in mission to out of mission, etc. Um, hurts those games for me. I know it doesn't bother a lot of people, but some specific uh, instances in, in say, Red Dead Redemption just cause me to have have problems with the characters and then you start asking questions that you really shouldn't be asking about why the characters are doing what they're doing, etc. Um, and the reason I say all that is because the fact that this game leans heavily on a very um, internalised, um, sort of isolated high school environment, it has outrageous stereotypes. Like, the the biggest stereotypes you will see in a Rockstar game or in, in this one. Um, and I, I tend to agree with you, Ryan. I don't think the humour comes off in the way they expect it to. The humour for me was more about how outrageous the stereotypes and the things that they seem to think are okay are. Um, but the fact that you're not killing people or you know uh, being asked to, to go and do a mission um, against what your character wants to do, it, it all feels like there is a consistency to bully in terms of its central conceit in terms of its story and in terms of the characters that you're shown simply because they buy themselves a lot of leeway by setting it in a high school where people are or can be seen as stereotypes people can be erratic and um a different person from one lesson to the next or one day to the next um, it felt like a very just just by nature of the setting they'd chosen and the way that they'd put the game together. It felt very consistent and coherent, and allowed me to enjoy the the stereotypes they'd set up and the ridiculous story beats because I felt like the game earned that by setting up kind of almost a in my eyes bulletproof um, situation. Um, it, it definitely has its problems. It's mechanically now to go back to, and in terms of graphics to go back to, it's very difficult. But um, I do like a lot of this, the setup for, you know, the um, the big events you have that go in with the seasons, Christmas, Halloween. Uh, when you get to the summer, it feels like it's summer. The music reflects that. Um, I, I love the point that we had earlier um, that different areas of the town do feel different. You know when you're cycling around the, the kind of well-to-do neighborhood delivering papers because it feels like that um and you know when you're down at the um the go-kart racetrack and you're in this sort of townies area where it feels like it's all kind of industrial buildings and sort of rundown area um and and that's a caricature sure but it gives bully a sense of character that i think is just fantastic and as good as i've seen rockstar do and it just appealed to me in a way that um that no other Rockstar game has to, to quite this degree. So, yeah, I, I, I'm i kind of in love with this game um, and and really hope that they find a way to do something interesting with a game that's slightly different from what, you know, Jay's mentioned, it's different from what they've done despite leaning on a lot of the same structure. Um, and I really like that about it. Okay, Jay, I imagine you're not going to be as positive as I am. No, I'm going to be kind of like in between the period because I think uh, I, I kind of agree with a lot of what Ryan was saying mm. and I kind of agree with what a lot of you were saying. But Fair enough. Um, I wouldn't agree that it's my favourite Rockstar yeah, game. My appreciation for Rockstar games is kind of really sort of stems from the last five years mm. of their development stuff because I think... Um, and I have a lot of their games, if not all of them, apart from the Manhunt, and uh, what was that driving game they did? 
a midnight club that's the one yeah but the you know the the problem was that I, I, whilst i would buy a lot of all the grand theft autos i rarely finished them hmm. it wasn't until um four and then five that i actually hmm. went through and completed these games and whilst i had my you know I wasn't massively sold on on four to the extent that I've been on five. As each game has come out recently, I've I've found myself getting really engrossed in them, um, particularly from Red Dead Redemption onwards, mm-hmm. um, and even to some extent to games that they were kind of. Whilst it isn't what you would call a true Rockstar game, something like LA Noir, I think the Rockstar stamp on that game is what made me spend so much time in that world mm-hmm. and and play it. But with Bully, it, it's, as I said right at the start of this podcast, I had it for a long time before I sat and played it, and there was never any real impetus behind that. It was just, I think it was just uh, something, oh, as I said, it was because I'd played Rock's uh, Red Dead Redemption, I went back to Bully, and, and I didn't mind the experience. I quite enjoyed it. I quite liked the fact that it, it felt at odds with everything that I'd expected from a Rockstar title um i like the fact that it felt different to everything they'd done i'd be really interested to see where they could take a sequel i think you know hands down i would be fascinated with that if i'm honest i mean you know i pay a lot of attention to to what you know any any news about what they might be doing next um but would i recommend people go back and play this game that's a really difficult thing i mean Graphically, it looks pretty, pretty rough around the edges nowadays. Even yeah. if you've got the scholarship edition, it just you know the the, the character models are kind of weird, blocky aspect to them, yeah. and and yeah, it's it's a strange one to say whether I could recommend it, which I don't know if I could. Um, it would depend entirely. Well, it, I guess it depends on what you're looking for. Because I tend to think of it in terms of these days, like in terms of whether I would go back and play it myself, and I can't see myself doing that anytime soon. So this is actually coming out more negative than I actually <laughs> wanted to, which is it's not really like I wasn't overwhelmed by the title. I wasn't yeah. blown away yeah. by it. I think a lot of what makes this game interesting to me now is where they might go with a sequel. Yeah. Mm. As as, yeah. as yeah. Ryan was saying, the social interaction stuff could be really, really fascinating mm. thing to, to to delve into, particularly with what they've shown us with the Grand Theft Auto Five stuff and yeah. little kind of you know the little social media stuff that you've been able to do for the last couple of Grand Theft Auto things could be fascinating set in a school environment mm. with yeah. you know teenagers and stuff. And and using that as as part of the actual gameplay mechanics could be really good, yeah. um, and so I kind of this this title will have that sort of aura about it of mystery and, mm-hmm. and excitement perhaps because of where they if and and when or if and when they ever decide to to follow this up and it's a big if you know it's like the it's nine years since this game but <laughs> you know it's I I know Rockstar kind of. They do what they want to do, you know, yeah, and they yeah. do it when it's yeah. when they feel like it. There's no there's no pressure on them by anybody, really. It's you know, but I'd be I would be interested to see a sequel. I, th- I think if I had to choose, I think I'd rather they made a Red Dead Redemption next. But it's <laughs> you know, 
But, you know, maybe the, the game after that could be a bully sequel. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Hell, they could put, a, they could put uh, horses in the academy this time around. So, <laughs> you know, all kinds of possibilities. But uh, As students, presumably. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think the, the reason maybe, uh, forgive me if I'm, if I'm reading wrongly into this, the reason you feel like maybe you were um, rambling a bit is you weren't. I think you were just caught between, um, as you said, the, the things about it that you, you weren't enthused about and some of the things you were. And I think part of the reason it's difficult to recommend now is it's, it's tough. To, th- this game was very much of its time. And for us, yeah. that wasn't necessarily 2006, but it's when we played it, what we took mm. away from it. And it's difficult to know whether someone would take that away now in light of, as you say, Rockstar's, you know, uh, more recent games that have have dealt with a lot of any criticisms we might have had about Bully um, and kind of surpassed all of that. So yeah, it, it comes down to that. I think for all of us, it's fair to say where it's, it's the possibilities for what this game could be if it weren't just a template of a GTA game yeah. in a different setting. It's, it's where that could go, which is, is really intriguing. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, and I feel that Rockstar are an interesting developer in that Definitely. regard and in, in that they, they do feel like they make some real effort to innovate each title. You know, Some of the, the major criticisms that were leveled at Grand Theft Auto 4 about the character's weird kind of sort of split personality aspect mm. felt mm. like they dealt with that very specifically with, with how they had the three characters in a, in a Grand mm. Theft Auto 5 and so some you know I feel like they're, they're taking criticism on board and mm. they are whilst they don't necessarily have a, a very public face about this stuff I feel they do take this stuff in and they'll find ways to to, mm. to you know to make a better game out of stuff and I think you know Bully as I said earlier, it felt like a really strange game for them to do. Like, oh, well, it's weird. You, you can see how it, it could almost be seen as a natural progression from the stuff they've done before. Mm-hmm. But it, it, in itself, it's such an oddity because mm-hmm. it was like this one title nine years ago that has never been followed up <laughs> and yet has so much potential yeah. to, to go further than they've done it. You know? I think the thing that encourages me is I, I do have a lot of faith that um, Rockstar, if and when they do tackle a sequel to this game or to Red Dead Redemption, it's because they've worked out a way that they think mm. is going to make this interesting and make it, you know, it, it's they'll do it when they feel it's right and they've got something yeah. to say, you mm. know, something something to, different to, to bring to the table. So Excellent. Thank you very, very much. Guys, that's a, been a fascinating conversation. I hope it has for, for everyone listening as well. But um, for for a game that is one of my favourites, it's great to be able to kind of crack it open and, and see what it is that uh, that we like and, uh, and dislike about it. So, Okay, that's issue 187, but we will be back next time in issue 188. Remember, always be dodging what's coming and shooting to the rear. Life lessons with a side helping of Geometry Wars. Mm-hmm.